Chapter 5, The Culture Toolkit Immediate Wins Now that you're ready for a shift, you'll want to take swift action that shows you're serious and that more change is coming. Now here's the beauty of it. It won't cost you anything and you will see change immediately. I know what you're thinking. Why didn't you just tell me this from the beginning? It's because you weren't ready to hear it. And even if you were, there's a danger that you would get a small win and then stop there. I want you to commit to the whole plan because that will build a culture that runs well without you even needing to be there. Over the years, I've worked with hundreds of companies to determine what makes an impact in a small amount of time. Here's the magic. Eliminate personal offices. You can see a huge next-day culture shift when the leaders of the company say, I'm no better than you, I want a cubicle as well. Let's use the offices for either conference room space or as fun, creative, relaxing spaces. This sends a signal that everyone is important, and it will also lead to invaluable lessons for the leaders as they suddenly learn way more about the day-to-day -day business. Take calls with customers on a regular basis. Most executives lose touch with the customer, who simply becomes a faceless icon that they connect with via strategy. Does it get any more dehumanizing than this? Instead, build in a ritual, even if it's just once a year, where people at all levels are directly helping customers. Again, the amount of organizational learning will greatly increase, and there will be a huge boost in morale as well. Lose that guy. You know who, the one who's dragging people down, even though he or she is a great performer. But perhaps that person has been there a long time and you feel uncomfortable letting them go. But removing that person will be like pulling the weed out of a garden. You'll feel an immediate shift in the culture. Eliminate the dress code. This will literally cost you nothing and yet employees see it as a huge benefit. You will see cheering akin to a World Series win. Recognition and awards. These are things that executives constantly forget, and yet it's one of the most important drivers of culture. Acknowledgement and recognition are like gasoline for the engine of culture. I will talk more about this in the recognize section below. Popcorn machine. Yes, I know it sounds silly, and I can't believe it, but some people have found it absolutely works. A company in Mexico left the Zappos Insights Bootcamp and immediately put in a mobile popcorn machine in their lobby. We thought to ourselves, you really don't get what drives culture, do you? But to our surprise, they said people fell in love with it. They would bring their own flavors, they would maintain the machine, they would gather around it to talk. It created a buzz of energy that they could leverage to other areas of culture change. It's what's called a pattern interrupt. It got people out of their day-to-day -day trance. All hands on deck. Do you have a way to rally everyone together for one cause when you need it? As Zappos ramped up its customer service, blue lights went off when everyone needed to drop what they were doing and get to the phones. It really brought people together for a unified cause. How can you create a need or time for all hands on deck? Serve your people. The CEO and COO slash CFO serve lunch to people in the cafeteria at Zappos about once a month. How can you as a leader put yourself in a position where you are directly serving everyone on your team? Free soft drinks. Yes, this is one that costs more money, but the impact is higher. The gain in morale and overall energy is worth the expenditure. Good morning. This is very inexpensive. Sometimes it's the little things like saying good morning, holding doors, and smiling that create a great environment. You don't have to make everyone do it, but try doing it yourself. See what happens. Then share your secret with a few others. Tape ball. Energy is a currency of culture. 
and Tape Ball is a great and quick game that gets teams energized quickly. You simply use a softball-sized wad of tape and pick a number that the group must reach. This is the number of hits that the team must do to keep the ball in the air before it hits the ground. For a demo on Tape Ball and how to make one, go to cultureblueprint.com. Benefits. This last one is on the more expensive side, but it's one of the main reasons employees cite for staying with any employer. When you give all that you can to providing the best possible health care to families who support your business, it always seems to come back in loyalty. Again, these are high leverage changes. They won't fix your entire culture. They create energy and momentum and faith for your future changes. Don't stop here. If you do, your people will think that culture is just a flavor of the month and that things will go back to business as usual. Culture hacking. Culture hacking is the opposite of using best practices. I hope to eliminate that term from business because it literally makes people stupid. If something is the best, why think about it? Why question it? The opposite is the idea of hacking. Most people think of malicious computer hackers when they hear that term. But you can use their methods for good. What they do is look at a whole system and find the weakness point to exploit. Then once they find it, they experiment until they find something that makes a big impact. Here is how you can think and act like a culture hacker at your company. Step one, start with where you see problems, obstacles, or frustrations. And most importantly, clearly articulate the pain of the frustration. Sometimes if you really look at the pain, you find a new vantage point on where the problem really lies. Step two, Look at the system in which it exists. Find its point of weakness where it breaks down. Step three, determine a high leverage action. High leverage equals minimum investment times maximum impact. And then keep playing with it or changing it until it works. So for example, you identify that you have a problem hiring great talent. You take a look at the entire system and find that there's a breakdown in getting qualified people to apply. You identify the weakness point. Great talent comes to the site and they don't find a relevant position. A relevant position comes up six months later, but there's no way to tell them to come back. So you determine the high-leverage action is to give people a good reason to give you their email address and tell you what roles fit them, and that way you can contact them when the time is right. So then you play with different offers in exchange for their email address to see what works best. Note, companies like Qualify, with a W instead of a U, Automate this process. Hack your meetings. Excerpted by permission from The Culture Game by Dan Mezik. Overview. Meetings are a major source of waste. The waste comes from tolerating any behaviors that reduce focus, commitment, and engagement. Meetings can suck your energy when attendance is not optional, when the goals and rules are fuzzy, and when there is no way to gauge the progress of the meeting. Make meetings fun, enjoyable, and engaging by gaming them. Details. Meetings are usually opportunities for learning, yet it seldom turns out that way. Typical meetings tend to be low-engagement, energy-sucking wastes of time. Low levels of engagement make meetings extremely counterproductive. What gives here? Normal is something we all co-create. Creating in-advance agreements about what is normal, especially for meetings, helps create safe space and encourages more learning. Establishing the ground rules for meetings helps people feel comfortable. Challenges. 
Meetings that are good games have a clear goal, a supporting agenda, clear rules, and a way to track progress. The first challenge as a convener is to state the objective or goal. Always do this. The second challenge is to describe and define the working agreements. If you are just starting out with this, state the start time, stop time, and goal when you send the invite out. Then inside the meeting, go through the process of getting alignment on a minimal set of working agreements. If you are new at this, expect it to take up to 10 minutes. You want to encourage dialogue around this. For example, if someone needs their cell phone out to communicate with a child who is traveling to a school event, this is sure to generate discussions. Let those discussions flow. The remaining challenge to game your meetings is the idea of opting in. Who needs to be there? Who does not? How is this currently handled? If you explicitly examine your current culture in terms of meetings, you may find that this is actually very fuzzy and hard to pin down. Put a stake in the ground by clearly stating who is required to attend and who is optional. Ideally, you want to afford everyone the choice of attending or not. This creates a sense of control and generates more happiness. Now the people that are attending actually want to be there. What a concept. Implementing an opt-in meeting requires you to examine what's normal. This can be painful, and the end result is much more learning. After dialogue around the topic, people start to realize that they are unsure if they are required to attend meetings they are invited to. They start to realize that they attend every meeting, and they are not sure why. Participants who opt in bring engagement to the meeting. They also enjoy a personal sense of control. Take a shot at communicating an opt-in policy for your meetings. Opt-in participation is an essential aspect of a good game. Steps and Options Implementing this practice involves the following steps. Describe participation as optional. Make it plain who is mandatory and who is optional for the meeting attendance. Ideally, the meeting is opt-in for all participants and mandatory for the meeting convener. This structure ensures that only the people who are motivated are present. This increases a sense of control in participants and contributes to high engagement levels overall. Try to make attendance opt-in for everyone. Next, name the objectives for the meeting. Describe the objective for the meeting in the simplest and clearest terms possible. Never convene a meeting without naming the objective. The stated objective or goal constitutes a big part of the decision criteria for potential attendees. If you do not name the goal, expect lower levels of engagement. Increase levels of engagement substantially by clearly stating the meeting goals up front. Be clear about rules regarding behavior inside the meeting. Be specific. State the working agreements as described in the section below. Do not be vague about the working agreements. Hold people to these agreements when they're in the meeting. Provide feedback on how the meeting is progressing. During the meeting, state the progress on the agenda as it unfolds. A good idea is to create a visual artifact that displays progress. This can be a task board or a set of agenda items with empty checkboxes. Place the poster on the wall and check off the agenda items as they are completed. You can use post-it flip charts that stick to the wall. Never leave attendees in limbo. Make it so anyone coming in at any time can figure out the status of the meeting in terms of reaching the stated goal. Working Agreements Working agreements are exactly that. Agreements. Establish working agreements by discussing the following when the meeting starts. Core working agreements. Are there any previously established core working agreements that we are not honoring? These are the default for each meeting with this group of people. Discuss any amendments. Who must leave? 
Discuss who in the room must exit before the meeting is over. Start and stop time. Explicitly state these times. Cell phone usage. Use of cell phones during meetings reduces engagement. Discuss acceptable cell phone use during this meeting. Use of laptops. Use of laptops during meetings dramatically reduces engagement. Discuss acceptable laptop use, if any. Breaks. After 45 minutes, people tend to check out as focus drops. Give people a break of 7 to 12 minutes for every 45 to 50 minutes of sit-down meeting time. Punctuality. Discuss the end-of-break boundary. Consider agreeing that the door closes when the break is over, and by this, I mean the second the agreed-upon break is over. One conversation. Try to establish the rule that when one person talks, everyone listens. Discuss prohibiting side conversations and over-talking. Anything else? Ask the group if there's anything else it makes sense for us to agree to before we start. Make these agreements very visible. These meeting hacks are excerpted from Daniel Mezik's Culture Game. Recognize. People want to be acknowledged and recognized for what they've done. It can be so easy and yet so easily overlooked. And managers expect it to be expensive without knowing the real expectations. A friend of mine sold his company and decided to reward the 20 volunteers who massively contributed to his online community. He wrote special, individual thank you notes to each one and also included a check for $2,000. He was surprised to find that each of them said the money was nice, but it was his words in the thank you note that made it all worthwhile. His people were intrinsically motivated by the work itself, the most powerful kind. Here are a few ideas you can use to start recognizing as a system. Snaps. In regular meetings, create space for people to give snaps. This is when someone says thanks or acknowledges a fellow team member and everyone else snaps their fingers in applause. It's cheap, easy, quick, and effective as long as you set the example. Share great stories. Oftentimes a team member will have a great success story, but there's no way to share it. Or sometimes sharing it feels too self-important, and so it becomes a missed opportunity. Create a mechanism to share those stories. For example, an email address to send them to, and then post them on your company intranet every day. Or start off meetings by sharing a success story or a letter from a customer. Coworker bonus. This is a way to crowdsource bonuses. At Zappos, any employee can give a peer, not a boss or direct report, a coworker bonus of $50, as long as they submit a great reason. It was expected that this might be abused, but with a few simple rules, such as one is not allowed to return a bonus to the person who gave it to them within three months, it works. Then it is a way to network the recognition program without needing management time. Funny awards. Create your own types of trophies and awards that are specific to your culture. Make sure you have a time interval for when each one is awarded. Shark Tank. On the TV show Shark Tank, entrepreneurs get to pitch their ideas to venture capitalists. You can do the same thing internally, without being mean. People really want to be valued for their ideas, even if they are not used. By creating a way for the ideas to be expressed to the leaders, everyone gets the chance to have their ideas heard. Innovation Bonuses. If you're looking to innovate in a particular area, reward it. It's best to reward innovation over the actual results. This is because people can control the former, not the latter. 
This is not to say that every single new idea should be rewarded. You must have criteria. But simply awarding based on success leaves people disempowered because so much luck is involved in what ultimately succeeds and what does not. Reward by empowering learning. An employee who is actively learning is constantly building his or her muscle to acquire more skills. Therefore, it doesn't matter all that much what the employee is learning. Recognition can come in the form of buying people books or paying for classes that they really want to take. Reflect. Reflection is another one of the most underutilized activities in business today. Everything moves so fast that we rarely take a moment to stop, breathe, and say what's working and what's not. The computer programming world has realized that this is absolutely key to developing great products. In Agile Scrum methodology that most now subscribe to, there is a sprint of work done followed by a reflection period to assess what happened and what to learn from it. By instituting some sort of regular time to reflect, you can make sure this happens. The most important thing is to have the discussion, though if you need a format, try this. One, what was supposed to happen? Two, what actually happened? Three, how do we course correct? Or, one, stop. What should we stop doing? Two, start. What should we begin? Three, continue. What should we continue to do? Create serendipity. Serendipity is one of the most undervalued factors in innovation. Here's the idea. We rarely have groundbreaking ideas while writing banal emails or performing other routine tasks. The breakthrough ideas usually come in one of two ways. One, when you think of nothing. People say that their best ideas come in the shower, or on a run with no music, or washing dishes, etc. This is because the mind is not preoccupied with a task. The body goes on autopilot, and the mind is free to wander and free associate. Two, when you juxtapose the unrelated. When he was thinking about new product design, Steve Jobs was seen to be wandering through the parking lot at Apple, noticing how Mercedes-Benz evolved their product line. He was not talking to designers. He was not even looking at products in his own field. He was juxtaposing car design and phones. The way to actively create these moments is to foster serendipity. Wikipedia defines serendipity as a happy accident or pleasant surprise, finding something good or useful while not specifically searching for it. Here are three ways to actively create it. One, when you create venues for employees to interact. This comes in both structured and unstructured ways. A structured example is getting a cross-disciplinary task force together for a project. An unstructured example is getting two departments to go out bowling with each other. Two, create space for random interactions. At Zappos, all the fire exits were shut down to day-to-day -day traffic so that everyone would enter the company through one entrance. That way it became a place where everyone would see people from different departments. Otherwise, they could each come and go by their own entrances and exits and literally never see each other. Another way would be to create fun meeting spaces, a coffee shop, a game room, etc. Three, create it virtually. Now there are tools to create serendipity online. Using tools like HipChat, Chatter by Salesforce, or Yammer, People across the company can communicate about projects or any other updates. This is especially helpful if your company has more than one location. At the time of this writing, Tony Robbins' company introduced Chatter and saw a great increase in interactions and knowledge sharing.